The Living Traditions Festival is back Friday, May 17th through Sunday, May 19th at Washington Square Park in downtown Salt Lake City. You will find a global food court, live music, performances, art, workshops, Bohemian Brewery, and stuff for kids. Full disclosure, this is my favorite Salt Lake Festival. For details and to see the full program, visit livingtraditionsfestival.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Here is what Salt Lake's talking about. The Utah legislature is convening just up the street to write new laws and pass a budget. So executive producer Emily Means and I are sharing the bills we are obsessed with this week. Plus, two joyful picks. It's Friday, January 19th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Executive producer Emily Means, good morning. Good morning, Ali Vallarta. Let's talk business. Listen, Beyonce once said bills, 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 and she was not talking about the Utah legislature, but we are. Yeah, we we're are. exactly the same as Beyonce in that regard. <laughs> Trying to pay our bills? I don't know. That, not anymore. She doesn't have that problem anymore. Though we each have bills that we're hung up on. Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's waste no time. What's on your mind? What's on legislators' mind that is now on your mind? <laughs> Here's what I'm interested in this week, Allie. Um, homeless services amendments. This year, the bill is sponsored by Republican Representative Tyler Clancy from Utah County. He has ties to Salt Lake, though, because he used to be the executive director of the Pioneer Park Coalition. So let me tell you about this bill. Uh, in the past, this homelessness services bill has created mm. this code blue law, which people might have heard more about this winter, which is when the temperatures reach 15 degrees, yep. then we open up some more shelter space to make sure that people can be in from the cold. And this year, the bill does a bunch of things. It's a really big, meaty one. But here are the highlights that I noted. Um, a lot more reporting requirements from state and local homelessness councils. Like, I don't even know how many lines. Dozens of lines of new items that they need to be reporting to the state on, you know, like, how long people are spending in shelter, whether there's a plan for people to move on out of permanent supportive housing into regular old housing. Um, they mm. also are requiring the state and local homelessness councils to create a goal of moving toward a functional zero level of homelessness. And I had never heard this term before, but they defined it, and it means the number of people experience entering homelessness is equal to or fewer than the number of individuals exiting homelessness. So to me, that means the legislature is like, we have got to start seeing progress on this issue. If we're going to invest in this, we better see results. Yeah. Another thing this bill does, Allie, that was, I think, kind of sneaky because it changes one word <laughs> in the code blue definition. So I mentioned uh, currently it needs to be 15 degrees for the state to call code blue. It also needs mm. to be 15 degrees for a span of two hours or longer. 
They want to change that to a span of four hours or longer. Oh, stop it. So it sounds like they've increased the threshold to activate a code blue. Why? I don't know. How much does it cost to to enact code blue? I don't know. Maybe it's a funding thing they're thinking of or maybe... um, It's just cruel. I'm not sure. No, that's cruel. We even saw just this week, because if you sign up to volunteer with Salt Lake County for Code Blue, because they, of course, when there's a Code Blue, they have more shelter space and they need more staffing and more help. You get an email 24 hours in advance that says, we've just called a Code Blue. Here are the shifts that we need help with. Just this week, we got an email for a code blue that had been called on Wednesday evening. And then hours later, they were like, never mind, never mind. The temperature went up a bit. It's no longer a code blue. We're canceling the code blue. If the communication is that frustrating because this is so arbitrary, 24 hours in advance to people who are presumably sitting at desks reading emails all day, Imagine what it's like to try and communicate to people who are unsheltered whether or not there is this overflow space available to them. Like, it just feels like the cruelty is the point with this. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's something we can talk with Representative Clancy about on this show to see what the thinking is behind it. But I'm dying to know. Yeah, we're very curious. One more thing I wanted to know, Allie, about this bill is that it also changes who is on the Utah Homelessness Council. It looks to me like the legislature is getting another appointment on the council. I think they already had one, but they're adding another one for themselves. And it also seems that there will be less representation from the general Salt Lake area. So previously, uh, there has been this representation from basically the mayors of all of the cities that have shelters. So the mayor of Salt Lake City, the mayor of Midvale, the mayor of South Salt Lake, of Ogden, of St. George. Um, Now there will be representation from uh, the mayor of Salt Lake County or their designee, and then uh, commissioners from all these other counties, Weber County, Davis County, Utah County, Washington County. So instead of like that very specific hyper-local representation um, of those city mayors. We're getting this broader representation from counties who may uh, interact or host uh, homeless services in their county. So I thought that was interesting. And that's what I have to tell you about that bill. Okay, good stuff, Emily. Thanks for breaking that down. Um, All right, Emily, a bill that I am hung up on this week is HB 249. And I think it might be kind of a nothing burger because it doesn't have a Senate sponsor yet. But I think it's instructive when we think about the Utah legislature's approach to lawmaking. What HB 249 does is it prohibits a governmental entity from granting or recognizing legal personhood in certain categories of non-humans. Now, you might read that (laughs) and say, okay, congratulations. Why do we need to all agree that non-people are not people? And then you scroll down a bit and see where it gives specifics that the first category of non-humans that we cannot grant any personhood status is bodies of water. And that is right. This is a bill that appears to be written very specifically to keep the Great Salt Lake from being granted 
personhood, which yeah. is a idea that has its sort of roots in indigenous wisdom that the Save Our Great Salt Lake Coalition has been pushing forward. We also have a lawsuit right now. Utah Physicians for a Healthy Environment have filed a lawsuit against the state of Utah saying the Great Salt Lake has natural rights as an entity and that you have basically abused it and not cared for it or um, been good stewards of the lake. And therefore, the lake deserves its day in court, in essence. Right. And so I just think it's like so it's a master class in, I think, abusing your power (laughs) to To be a legislator in Washington County, where Walt Brooks, who filed this bill, is from, very far from the Great Salt Lake, also a place where uh, water is a crisis. This is the home of St. George. To file this bill that says, because I can, I'm going to just try and make this conversation completely void (laughs) via my legislative authority instead of exploring the possibility Right? right. With activists in something that is a crisis. So I just like I saw that and was like, it feels instructive. <laughs> feels yeah. right. Feels kind of like often the legislative playbook. Well, I mean, I think it's disappointing because what we've heard from legislative leaders is they do care about the lake. I think we heard right. we heard uh, Governor Cox even recently wondering why there was so much doom and gloom about the future of the lake among the general public. And I mean, I think it's because they won't entertain every single possible solution. And maybe this is a solution, but they potentially just want to completely take it off the table. Um, so, OK, that's an interesting one. Um, So that's one that is sort of on my docket. Okay. And then let me give you another quick one that I think is good news. And this news were broken by Ben Winslow of Fox 13, of course, who for years and years has been covering booze news in Utah, along with other political news. So every year we get an omnibus liquor bill. And it's basically like we roll up all the things that need to be done related to liquor laws in Utah into one bill. And what it's looking like is going to be in that bill this year is more bar and restaurant licenses. And to that I say, huzzah. Cheers. Smashes glass. Sound (laughs) of glass smashing. So right now, bar licenses are issued in the state of Utah. One license per every 10,200 people. And that number, 10,200, is totally arbitrary. Like, maybe it was some legislator's lucky number. We don't know. But the DABS, the Department of Alcoholic Beverage Services, which, you know, it's often where our ire is directed, though they're really just an agency, an enforcement agency. Like, they don't write these laws. Their job is just to enforce them. They have complained about how this law puts them in the incredibly uncomfortable position of having to deny licenses, of having to ask business owners to be ready to open their doors the minute they get a bar license, which is expensive for small business owners that want to open bars and restaurants. Governor Cox has complained about the way we issue bar licenses. Even he hates it. Um, So the legislature decided to basically do a study last year. They were like, all right, let's see what other states are doing and if they do it better. And it seems like maybe they think other states could be doing it better. So some states with similar restrictions are issuing one license per every 5,000 people. Oh, That's like more than double what we are currently issuing. 
Representative Jefferson Burton told Fox 13 he's the guy who's basically tasked with solving all these liquor problems at the legislature and getting his Republican colleagues on board that they're not looking at one for every 5,000, but we could see one license for every seven or 8,000 people. And you know what? I'll take it. <laughs> it's funny because, again, it's arbitrary, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, the state has grown immensely over the past 20 years. It makes sense that we should have more bars to accommodate the growth that we've yeah. seen here. Right. Um, yeah, and also totally. it's good for business. And Utah's biggest argument is that they are a state that is good to do business in. So mm-hmm. it makes sense that we would uh, align ourselves that way with local businesses. Totally agree. Yeah. So good news on that front. We'll keep an eye on it. Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, and after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons. Maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. Spring is when leases expire, and if you're looking for a new or better apartment situation, here's the scoop at Ico Fort Union. Fort Union is Ico's newest build in Cottonwood Heights off 1300 East and 6720 South. And as they say in real estate, location, location, location. Ico Fort Union puts you 10 minutes from the mouth of Big Cottonwood Canyon and central to all the Fort Union shops and restaurants. But the complex is located on a dead-end street, so you get peace. Ico Fort Union offers studio, one, two, and three-bedroom apartment homes, plus these very cool three-bedroom work-live apartments. So if you're starting something new, you can live above your business space. Amenities include a pet spa, a spin loft, a bike hub, and EV charging stations. And they are signing leases right now. So visit liveatfortunion.com for a tour. All right, Emily, what else? Okay, let me share one more with you. Um, A handful of elections-related bills caught my eye while I was uh, searching the legislature's website. Okay, (laughs) but let me just mention this one to you, which is about how soon your ballot needs to be on your county clerk's desk. So currently, the rule is your ballot needs to be postmarked no later than the day before election day. If it's not postmarked by then, it won't get counted. This bill provides that for a ballot that is mailed to be valid, the election officer, a.k.a. your county clerk, 
must receive the ballot before polls close on election no. day. Whoa. The what? ballot needs to be at the county clerk's office before polls close then. That, there's no way that passes. The governor vetoes that if it does. Well, who cares if he vetoes it? They have a veto-proof supermajority, right, Allie? But um, I, yeah, I don't know like how successful this will be, although I do think we've seen more and more attempts to... Um, limit or like take down mail-in mail-in voting altogether in this state um so that's something that i'm keeping an eye on and if passed it would take effect may 2024 that's this year so it would apply to this year's election how about that i mean baseline if you've ever tried to mail someone something and time it out right right you just already know how impossible it is like if i'm sending you a birthday card and i want it to arrive on your birthday god help me because it could take one day it could take 20 days it could get lost it could never make it like there are so many factors out of your control Allie like I mean literally what if what if the what if the mail person's van you know broke down or something like that on the way to the county clerk's office I don't know anything could happen it's impossible to plan around that right and obviously they know that and this bill is this is a voter suppression bill Like, that's what this is, because it is going to make it harder for people to vote. I mean, the other thing about it that's so crazy is that, as with anything, the most difficult element of any kind of project is the communications around it, right? Right. Like, the communicating to people what they need to do to do anything is, like, the hardest part of any job. (laughs) And so, like... We have spent years as a state conditioning voters to understand the sort of core things that you need to do for your vote to count. It needs to be postmarked, needs to be in the ballot, in the Dropbox by 8 p.m. Like these are phrases that even it just as like members of the media are wrote for us. Uh Like I could say them in my sleep to have to change the messaging about what it takes for your vote to count, like that in and of itself is suppression because you're asking 3 million people to unlearn and relearn in one year. Now, if you have thoughts about this bill, you can uh, email or text Representative Norm Thurston. He is the sponsor. And um, yeah, should we link all of these bills we've mentioned in the show notes, Allie? Yeah, we should. Let's do that. Okay. Mm -hmm. That way you can like browse them, read them for yourself, see who the sponsors are. If that sponsor's in your district, all the more reason to email them. And or maybe you love all these bills and that's worth sending an email to. Okay, we've got one more that we need to talk about before we move on from the legislature this week. We are one week into the session, technically not even because they started Tuesday. It's like day four. Mm. And we've already got a bill that regulates where transgender Utahns can go to the bathroom. I mean, listen, I'm not going to hide my ire here. To me, this is a culture war messaging bill. It does a lot of harm. I think it's a boogeyman. I also think, and this is a favorite of the Utah legislature, like if I was Love Communications and I had to write a a tagline for the Utah legislature, it would be solutions in search of problems. (laughs) They love a solution in search of a problem. Um, And often that's what messaging bills are. So what this legislation would do specifically, it would bar transgender Utahns from using a gender-specific facility 
that matches their gender identity unless they have legally changed their gender on their birth certificate or undergone a transgender-related surgery. Two things, might I add, that the legislature in recent years has made more difficult for transgender individuals to do, right? Important to note, Allie. This bill also very narrowly defines both male and female in code. It was written by Senator Dan McKay and Representative Kira Berkland. And here's what I'll say about that. And this is, again, baseline. Like, listen to the experts on this, not me. But I don't need gender defined for me by two of the most uncreative people on earth. <laughs> I'm bored. I'm bored by Dan McKay and Kira Berkland's definitions say, of gender. Say more, Allie. <laughs> I'm just like, we... There is so much that's liberating about the fact that we live in a moment where we are exploring gender identity as a society that like these two puppets can please get out of my bathroom. There is one thing in this bill that I do like. and I can't believe I'm saying that. And that is that it requires more unisex or single stall facilities in all publicly funded buildings. Now, I don't think we need more single stall facilities in publicly funded buildings, but I do love unisex bathrooms. I think genderless bathrooms are a great idea. I actually think we should have large group, well-designed genderless bathrooms. We actually did a show on that almost two years ago, which we can link in the show notes. But yeah, more options. More options. For us to pee in. <laughs> I like. Let's strip everything else out of this bill and just demand more genderless bathrooms. That's a version I could get behind. <laughs> yeah. I, I did want to mention that this is just one of two anti-trans bathroom bills that the legislature yep. is entertaining this year. The other one is by Representative Phil Lyman, who is running for governor. And... um. Yeah, Allie, this one seems like a priority for legislative leadership. It also seems unconstitutional to me. Uh -huh. I mean, I'm not a legal scholar, but I know no, that the in state's going to waste money defending this thing in court. That's what's going to happen. Taxpayer money. In 2017, we saw a lot of bathroom bills, as they were called. But, you know, basically bills that prevent trans people from using the bathroom of their choice that matches yeah. their gender identity. Um, and are any of those still standing? I'm not sure. No, I mean, that's why we did. We actually I don't know if you know this, Emily. We have a bathroom historian at the University of Utah, a professor who like literally wrote the book on the history of Americans relationships with bathrooms. <laughs> and we interviewed him on the show. And the episode is called Why Are We So Obsessed with Bathrooms? Like, why is this the the become the the focal point in our culture wars? And I'll link it. But for that exact reason, like we've been talking about bathrooms for years. I think North Carolina sort of ended up being the epicenter when they were the first to introduce a bathroom bill. But yeah. yeah, to your point, we got this thing day two. And that's really interesting to me because in years past, this kind of I, I mean, I would call it legislation that bullies people. It stigmatizes an already targeted population of Utahns, trans Utahns. Um, you know, HB 11 was the last big one, which prohibited transgender girls from participating in girls' sports teams, 
We got that at the 11th hour. It was like literally kind of like rammed through the last minutes of the legislative session. And now maybe by Senator Dan McKay, who also wrote this bathroom bill I'm talking about. And it seems like maybe now their approach is, well, when we kind of push stuff through last minute, people didn't like that. They were, you know, felt that it was unfair and that things deserve a proper hearing and whatever, whatever. Like they're still, Utahns are still mad about it. So let's just do it day two before people even really have fully awoken to the fact that we're in the legislative session (laughs) (laughs) and we'll hurry it through at the front end. And then by the end, maybe they'll have forgotten about it. And it's like, so sinister, my Lord. Yep. Just shows we have to pay attention to the whole 45 days, which is hard because we all have jobs and people cannot take time out of their day to go and sit in a freaking public hearing for, you know, however long, three hours or whatever, waiting for a bill to be heard. So no. And that's why we support local organizations that send ambassadors to do that work for us. Like that's where it tends to trickle down and meet us. Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, and after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons. Maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. On the note of time, Emily, and how we spend it, we're, you and I are out of it. <laughs> we need to do pick of the week and we need to get out of here because these legislators continue to give us so much to talk about. What's your pick of the week? Okay, Allie, mine is kind of romantic. Um, I had the pleasure of actually sitting and drinking my coffee at a coffee shop last week instead of taking it to go, which is what I usually do. You know, I usually order my... Are you French now? I know, right? Like, bonjour. Um, So I I was sitting at Coffee Garden on 9th and 9th, which I hadn't been to in a very long time. And at Coffee Garden, they don't have Wi-Fi. So it's kind of like built in that, that you have to actually sit and, you know, be alone with your thoughts. And I just had the loveliest time. I know it can be scary. But (laughs) what I was thinking about was how good my slice of quiche was, and how Mm. nice my little latte was. And it was just really enjoyable. And I don't often take the time to slow down and enjoy the company of the people in the coffee shop with me. And I would encourage everyone to do that uh, at your favorite local coffee shop. I mentioned Coffee Garden. I also love Picnic by Liberty Park. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, pick a public location and just uh, be present with your community. 
I love that. What's your pick of the week? You know I always try and make my pick of the week hyper local. But this week I have no choice. I feel so strongly about something that I just have to scream it from the rooftops. Go see American Fiction. This oh. is the best movie of the year. Okay. It is playing at the Broadway. They do $5 Tuesdays. If you want to have a totally agnostic of Sundance week, go see American Fiction. Huh. You know it's amazing. You can see it for like $10. You won't have to wait in a crazy line. You can be five minutes late and it'll be peaceful. Sounds amazing. <laughs> um, this movie is freaking hilarious. It is also incredibly moving. The trailer kind of tells you that it's about one thing, but then you get in the theater and it's kind of about something else. It has some of the greatest actors of our generation, Tracy Ellis Ross, Issa Rae, Sterling K. Brown is in it. Every scene he is in is like, you get so, ex you know when you're like watching something and you get so excited when someone is back, mm -hmm. like an, an act, mm -hmm. a character is back. He's that in this movie. Jeffrey Wright plays the lead. Just go see it. Okay. You're going to laugh. You might cry. You're going to feel so many things. Um, and guess what? It is one hour and 57 oh, minutes. Oh, yeah. We Damn love to see straight. it. Sub two hours. <laughs> Take a friend. I will say you could bring your mom or dad to this movie. It's like pretty sexless. Um, it, it offers a lot of discomfort, but in a very different way. <laughs> and I just think everyone should see American fiction. Oh, thanks, Allie. It's, I feel like it's been <laughs> a while since I've seen a movie in the movie oh, theaters. So you I and Pablo should go see this. You guys will, I think, really enjoy it. It's super smart. I'm down. Cool. Okay. Good pick. Happy joy, joy. Let's end on that note. I Executive agree. producer Emily Means, have a fantastic weekend, and I will see you on Monday. See you Monday, Allie. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Our executive producer is Emily Means. Our producer is Ivana Martinez. Our newsletter editor is Terina Ria. And our host is me, Ali Vallarta. Music is by the local band Mitochondria with additional music from all the kimonos. We will be back Monday morning with more from around this city. I hope you have a great weekend.